I saw a motorcycle in your church parking lot. Whose is that? Uh, that's just, I take it when I'm really trying to come up with some inspirational sermon ideas, <laughs> your, I just take it around the block. Is that your hog out there? Wow. <laughs> What's it doing out there? It's just parked out in front of the church. It had a piece breakdown on it, and the guys left it there for two or three weeks now. Is it somebody in the church? Yeah, true story. People have asked me repeatedly throughout the last two weeks, Brother Rusty. Hey, man. That's how people in my church talk. Brother Rusty. <laughs> like they've got a mouthful of hard candy. Brother Rusty, that's your motorcycle out there. <laughs> to which I've responded, no. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And you can call me road dog. You got a problem with it? <laughs> That's wow. Oh, watch out. Ladies and gentlemen, first first or second guest we have on the podcast, the guy from Police Academy <laughs> who does all the voices. <laughs> Convoy. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Let's get this podcast started. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Jared Hollier. He's Rusty Mott. Yeah, yeah. This is one hour a week. A 30-minute ministry podcast. We are glad you guys are along for episode eight. I introduce all the even numbers. Apparently. The Ocho. <laughs> That's right. Also, my favorite ESPN channel. <laughs> did you catch the uh, hot dog eating Olympics? I did not. Man, Joey Chestnut was on fire this weekend. On fire. It was amazing. Hey, uh, he did a good job eating those uh, that shrimp stuff from oh, with the horseradish dip. The horseradish dip. That's a that's a good inside story from Indiana. We so. went to in, went to a really nice steakhouse. A, a missionary friend up there took us all out to dinner at a nice steakhouse. The place was world famous for their shrimp cocktail. We'll make this long story short. They bring the shrimp cocktail out and it's got this horseradish sauce. Rusty was not sure what horseradish was. We Doesn't tried sound appetizing. We me. tried to describe it and finally we just said, hey, just taste a little. And Rusty, how was it? It tasted... <laughs> I'm trying to think of something comparable that I can say on the podcast without getting in trouble if my mom listens, but... It's a different kind of heat. It was the worst. It, it goes, was the worst. It gets up in your head. It's not like a, a your mouth is on fire. It's more like you've snorted icy hot. Yeah. And why is that enjoyable to anybody? I don't know. Why'd we tell that story? Because Joey Chestnut apparently won an eating competition he and had 14 pounds of those shrimp or something. Yeah. It was a ridiculous so, number. So Joey all back of the podcast. Joey Chestnut, if you're out there listening. We're a big fan. Send us a signed <laughs> hot dog. Send us a signed <laughs> half eaten hot dog. I made a fan tribute video where I tried to eat as many hot dogs as him. <laughs> Didn't work out. Didn't end well. I did. What's your What's your record on hot dog consumption? Oh, I'm not a big hot dog. Probably three. Oh, I'm not man, a big hot I'm, dog eater. This is going to come as a shock to our listeners. Uh, won't, probably won't. I can eat. I can, <laughs> I can throw down some food. Have you ever been to like the dollar hot dog at the ballpark? Oh, that's where this story is going, my friend. <laughs> What'd you do? I definitely threw down double digit hot dogs oh. at Rangers Ballpark on multiple mm. occasions. Um, man, made for great games. You, with chili and onions oh, and no, the no, whole, no, no. Just, just dog just, in a bun. Just dog bun ketchup. Well, see, at the hot dog eating contest- they don't have Miracle Whip there. They dunk them in water. Yeah. 
kind of almost swallow them whole. The people next to me were really grossed out because I was trying to do the same thing. I was just going for speed <laughs> and uh, bought one of those 32-ounce $12 waters from Ranger's Ballpark. Just and pouring it out of your yeah, Dasani water bottle. Yeah, them in there, throwing them down. Three kids threw up in the row in front of me. It was it was amazing. So shout out to Joey Chestnut and, Rangers, and Rangers Hot Dogs. So where were we? Were we doing a podcast today? I think that's it. So yeah. thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a Yo, great week. Drop the mic. Episode 8 is where we're at. And today we're going to pull the curtain back a little bit on our preaching and teaching ministries. And we're going to talk about preparing to preach and teach. What are our study habits? I'll talk a little bit about some of the resources we use on a regular basis, but just a little peek behind the pastoral curtain, if you will, bring you into the inner sanctums of our office space. Do you like that vocabulary? That was impressive. True story. We're actually recording this from inside my study. I have an office at the church where I conduct business. It's kind of our conference room, but it's also where I do most of the administrative tasks of the church. And True story. I'm not exaggerating as I look around Rusty's quote unquote study. He has four, five, about nine Bibles in the office. Yeah. No other books, but 40 pocket knives hanging in cases on the wall. That's how I roll, man. 40 case pocket knives. Listen. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword <laughs> or case pocket or knife. Or case. So that's Shout out to our sponsors, Texas Knives and Collectibles in Spurger, Texas, Highway 92 South. Check them out. Shout out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we are going to talk about studying how we prepare for sermons and lessons and teachings. And uh, as always, we would love for y'all to join the conversation. So at the end of this, if you have some comments to add, if you want to let us know how you study and prepare for those things, jump on the Facebook page or the Twitter page to let us know uh, your contribution to the conversation. We would love to hear it. So let's start with this, Rusty. We both preach every Sunday. Uh, I preach most Sunday nights at my church, Sunday mornings occasionally, and you preach every Sunday morning. Uh, How... First, let's talk about the difference between preparing for a a sermon, corporate worship service sermon, and then a smaller, <clears throat> excuse me, a smaller group study. There there is a difference in the way we prepare for a sermon versus what we would call a smaller group lesson. So, quickly, how what's the difference between the way you prepare, and then we'll kind of walk through some of our sermon prep. Well, for me, when it comes to I guess what how I would say this is the difference between preaching and teaching. Yes. Uh, now, there is obviously some teaching that takes place in preaching. And at the same time, sometimes when I'm teaching, a little preaching slips up in there. But for me, the context is, for example, what I do right now, I do teach a CBF, which is our small groups. But I also, on Wednesday night and Sunday night, I would say that my uh, time from the platform, which actually on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, instead of being up behind the pulpit, I have a a podium down on the ground level with everybody else. And Sunday nights and Wednesday nights are really more of a teaching time for me as opposed to preaching. For preaching, for me, it's more of a, when I'm standing behind the pulpit on Sunday morning, I have been seeking the Lord through the weeks and months in advance, preparing for that. And essentially I'm asking God, what do you have for this group of people today? Um, and there is kind of a prophetic, thus saith the Lord type of aspect to it, where when I get behind the pulpit, I'm not just teaching through a book of the Bible, which I do preach through a book of the Bible a lot of times, but I am in that moment saying, this is the word that the Lord has given uh, us today 
to look at for this specific moment. So uh, on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights, while certainly I've prayed about and talked with our elders and our staff about where do you think we need to go, it's really more of an informational. So let's walk through the book of Genesis on Sunday nights and kind of take verse by verse and work through it. Not always an outline. Sometimes we go verse by verse and commentate as we go and bring different thoughts in. And sometimes we do a topical study on those nights as opposed to an expository message. Mm -hmm. So um, the difference to me between preaching and teaching is a little bit presentation. My presentation is probably actually pretty similar in both settings, but it's really in the way in which I prepare. And rather than seeking to have that outline and the, the big points and the applications and all of those things on a teaching session, there's a lot of information and, and there's application that goes in that as well. But it's just, like I said, to me, it's a little bit of difference in the way I prepare and go about it. Yeah, and if you look in the list of spiritual gifts given in Scripture, there is definitely a difference between the gift of preaching and the gift of teaching. And there are people who are good at one or the other. I think most pastors who preach regularly probably are gifted at both preaching and teaching. But yeah, the the preaching side is more of a a proclamation, a declaration. Uh, I just finished reading a preaching book called uh, Preaching the Whole Counsel of God by Julius Kim. And he talks about that preachers are called to be heralds. And in biblical times, a herald was someone who stood on the court square and said, this is what the king has said. And as preachers, that's what we do. Whereas, like you said, teaching is more informational. It's, even in its presentation, there's a difference between proclaiming the scriptures when we preach. And when I teach, it's more conversational, informal. Like you said, we, we even take ourselves from the stage and the platform down to the floor we might even ask some questions, a little more uh, banter back and forth with the congregation or the listeners. Uh, so there's differently banter. I just like, I, I don't think I usually consider question and answers with our congregation banter. Well, the way I do it, it kind of turns into banter. Let's banter sometimes. a little bit. Hey, what do you everybody. Say, eh? uh, who's, uh, you, you, you float here from Colorado, huh? Try the lobster. Is it great? Hey, tip your waitress this day. Volare. Whoa. <laughs> no, you don't do that. <laughs> On Wednesday nights. I'm literally dying over here. That was uh, that was amazing. The <laughs> point is, yes, presentationally, there's a difference. And so in our preparation, there's a difference too. Because like you said, when we, when we stand and preach, we are doing it with conviction. And I guess conviction is the only word I can think of. With, with certainty, there is, there is a, a, an attitude that we bring into preaching of this is what the Lord has said. And Teaching is more informational, sometimes conversational. There's there's a little more wiggle room. Here's here's how I read it and how I perceive it. Not that there's less certainty, but less uh, urgency, less unction. I'm not exactly sure what I'm trying to say, but I know what I'm trying to say. Does that yeah. make sense? No, I understand. It It is very nuanced. Yeah. Because again, in preaching, there is a lot of teaching. And I think sometimes for preachers in their teaching, you kind of move into preaching right. a little bit. So When you prepare a sermon to preach... What are the main things you're trying to accomplish in your preparation? When you get on the stage, I know you preach from a manuscript, right? Yeah. And so what are the main things that you're trying to make sure you hit every week? I know that the text will differ and the context and the application, everything differs. But week to week, you're trying to accomplish what? Well, when when I am preaching through a passage, and, and like you said, generally, uh, I preach from a manuscript on Sunday mornings and... If you've ever seen me preach, you probably wouldn't know I preach from a manuscript, which is the point. I don't want people to know that I'm up there, you know, utilizing a manuscript. 
What I usually tell people, though, is that I'm an outline preacher that uses a manuscript. What I basically, my, my goal, if I ever was in a situation where I had the best case scenario, I would like to write that manuscript as a part of the process. And then when I walk up into the pulpit, just have my outline or have it all internalized. But right now, I just don't have time to study and make that happen. I teach three, four, sometimes five times a week in our church in different settings. So because of that, I don't have time to, Sunday morning isn't my only baby. So I don't just dedicate 15, 20 hours to that Sunday morning sermon. I don't have the time or the resources to be able to do that. So because that's the case, for me, what I end up doing is taking that manuscript up there. I, I usually do have it somewhat internalized, though, and that outline is built into my head. Mm-hmm. And because that outline's there, I'm not really married to those notes. But if you have those days where you do get up there and you're a little less, uh, you know, there are times where you get up and the energy's not there. and, and A little the people, less sharp. Maybe the people are not engaged right. as much and it kind of throws you off. So it's helpful for me to have that there to be able to rely on if I need it. Uh, but I, I don't preach, you know, I don't stand there and read my manuscript, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But for me, basically my sermon prep always comes down to the same thing. I, I try to read the text many, many times. And I, I'll, I'll kind of, I try to utilize this outline that Alistair Begg, one of my favorite preachers, I, I listen to him regularly and, and try to read a lot of things he's done. Just, he's one of my favorites. And, and Alistair Begg said that he kind of has this little, outline he's put together. He says, think yourself empty, read yourself full, write yourself clear, and then pray yourself hot. And I really like that outline. It doesn't happen a lot of times. Uh, In those first two steps, I'll just acknowledge sometimes I don't think myself all the way empty before I start reading, you know, Uh, but he advocates, man, read that text, write out what you think, pray about it, think about it, really just uh, everything you can get out of that text, do it, and then start reading commentaries and, and other resources. Let me interrupt you right here and, and point out that we both are 100% dedicated, committed, convinced that you have to start with the biblical text. Never, ever, ever start a sermon or a lesson or a teaching with, here's what I think, let me go to the Bible and prove it always start with the text. If you start with an idea and then go to the Bible to proof text your ideas, you're not being faithful to the biblical text. So every sermon has to start with not what do I think, now let me find a passage to back it up, but what is this passage trying to say? What is the author trying to say in this passage? And that's good because it makes us be biblically faithful, but that's hard sometimes because sometimes we read a passage of scripture and it goes against what I think or what I like and I have to be committed to stand up and say it anyway. Yeah, exactly. we have to start with the text. Exactly. So when you're reading your, when you're thinking yourself empty, and then start reading yourself full, basically what uh, that reading yourself full does not only does it maybe teach you some new things about the text that you didn't know when you read what some other expositors or theologians have said, but sometimes it confirms that what you've been thinking is biblically faithful and true. Those are encouraging moments. Yeah, because the thing is. Uh, people all the time will ask, so what are you preaching? And when I tell them, well, how are you, how are you going to do it? And I tell people, well, probably how you've heard it before, because if I come up with something new that has not been discovered in 2000 years of Christian orthodoxy, <laughs> there's a good chance I'm preaching heresy. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong. So I, I try to, that read yourself full is trying to confirm that I'm tracking with the historical 
interpretation of those passages and making sure that I'm being biblically faithful. So, so let me just tell you how that practically fleshes it out for me, what my outline looks like, if mm-hmm. that's helpful for anybody. My outline of my sermons almost always follows this exact lineup. I usually have an introduction. Sometimes, especially when we're going through a series of a book in the Bible, hey, this is where we've been. We're here and right now we're two weeks into finishing the gospel of John. In the last year and a half, I've preached the entire book of John. And I'll say, hey, you know, last week we talked about the resurrection and the implications of that. What does the resurrection mean for us today? And how does that work itself out? And today we're gonna see Peter's response to the resurrection. And the question is gonna be, how have we responded to the fact that Jesus is alive or are we working and responding in court? So that'll kind of be my introduction. Sometimes it is the funny story or something and then transition Mm -hmm. in, but I just introduce the text. I read the text. I usually kind of walk through that text after I've read it and prayed. I explain the text and say, here's kind of what's happening. Any little difficulties in there, I try to explain it in that time. And then I kind of introduce the main point of the sermon as I'm unpacking that text. I will say, hey, here's this, here's this, here's this. And then I'll say, so that leads into three big truths. And sometimes those truths are applications. Sometimes they're just theological truths. Mm -hmm. And I'll usually have two, three, sometimes four big uh, truths slash applications that we need to take away. And then I, I land the plane. So sometimes I have a really cute, awesome conclusion, <laughs> but I'll be honest with you, most of the time it's the helicopter landing. Just crash. So that's it. it. Yeah. How we gonna, you know, are we going to respond to the word today? Let's pray. You know, uh, so my outline really is pretty much introduction, text, explanation of text, three truths or applications, conclusion. And if you listen to my sermons, which we're actually going to, I'm, I'm actually excited about this. We're going to be able to start podcasting our sermons, which is kind of Don't cool. you dare promote I'm not other it. podcasts on our podcast. I'm not promoting it because- As far as you're concerned, this is the only podcast right now. There are far better preachers Stop than me it. that you could go listen to. But if you have, you know, people from Cornerstone listening to this will be able to identify now and you're listening to me preach, you could identify that outline in we'll my notes. It. So even though, again, I do have a manuscript, I've got my manuscript marked up into those outline sections. So- most weeks, I probably could just take a one-page outline up there mm-hmm. and make it happen, but uh, the manuscript's just been the way I've done it for the last few years. So uh, that's what I'm looking for. Read the text, explain the text, point out the big truths, or apply the text through those big truths, and then land the plane. So that's my sermon outline. That's how I do sermon prep. I'm an outline guy. I don't do manuscripts, never have. We were taught in a preaching class I took in college that we should do manuscripts, but I just can't do them. And part of that is because my personality is pretty ADD. If you know me, you've probably picked up on that. If you've ever heard me preach, you've definitely picked up on that. So I, I use Evernote to type my, my final outline and I color code it. So my main points and my main thoughts are in black letters. My illustrations are red. My scripture references are in blue. And then big questions or big points that I wanna make are either green or purple. So it's a system that works for me. And it's, it's a pretty thorough outline. I will, I'll type out my illustrations and my main points. I'll just put, you know, short scripture references. Uh, but the things I try to major on are, of course, what's the main thought of the text? And usually I try to preach a one-point sermon. I picked that up years ago from uh, Andy Stanley. And I know he's been in some theological firestorms recently, but say what you want about, what you know, his theology or whatever. I will. Don't hear. No, yeah. uh, 
but the guy can preach. He's a great communicator. Plug and, that book, by the way, that, that that's from. Uh, Communicating for a Change is is the name of his book, where he promotes the idea of preaching a one-point sermon and even says, look, preachers, if you've got a three-point sermon, flesh it out and preach a three-week series on that. It will stick with people better and, and they'll get more out of it. Plus, it gives you more material. You know, as pastors who preach every week, we're responsible for coming up with basically a a long form paper and a public presentation every week. And so if you can flesh those out and preach a series, it, it'll be beneficial to you and your time also. But in this book, he, he has an outline, uh, me, we, God, you, we, is his sermon outline that he uses. His introduction is me, you know, here's, here's something funny that happened or here's a problem I've noticed or here's something that happened to me. We, we've all been there. You've, you've seen it happen. Maybe it's been different, but we've all been there. And then he turns his attention to the text. So me, we, God, how does God deal with this, this issue or this problem or this question? Then he brings it back to you, responding to God's truth seen in this passage. What are you gonna do different? And then he casts a vision at the end of every sermon. Now, now that you understand what you're gonna do different, can you imagine what our church would look like if we all did that? What would our town and our community look like if we all committed to doing this? And so similar to what you were saying about going back and listening to your sermons, if you now go listen to an Andy Stanley sermon and pay attention to me, we, God, you, we, you'll see how he does that. So I, I do that sometimes. I don't always keep that in mind. For me, what I try to major on after I find the central truth of a passage is I spend a lot of time focusing on illustrating that truth so that people see that it's true not just on paper, but in life, and then application. Because my opinion is if you give people information and theology, but they don't know what to do with it, you know, if the gospel is supposed to be about changing lives and we as gospel preachers are supposed to help in that process, sometimes we just need to tell people how to apply it. And so you even said on an earlier episode of this podcast that we were talking about prayer and you said that in your Cornerstone Discipleship, literature that y'all put out, step one was start, that sometimes you need to be that basic. And so if we're giving people information, but not telling them how to apply it or where to use it, we're, we're not helping to facilitate the life change as well as we could. So I really try to spend a lot of time after I show the people what the truth is, then show that, prove to them that it's true through illustrations, through examples that they've seen. And then what do I do? When I leave here, I want them to have some tangible steps to take when they leave the church auditorium, they can start today and tomorrow at work putting these things into practice so that the the Bible isn't just some cool ideas I have in my head, but some actual tangible steps I can take and some changes I can start making. Your explanation of the me, we, God, you, we, I, I benefited more from that than I did reading the entire book from Andy Stanley. <laughs> so maybe that just succinct way yeah. to put it was helpful for me. So man, that's good. That's That's something for me to think about for sure. I don't want us to underestimate the the last part of my initial, the Alistair Begg thing I quoted, the think yourself empty, read yourself full in sermon prep. I think those there is a balance needed between all of these different things, but the last two aspects of that, I think might be the most important part about preaching. And that was write yourself clear, preparing. I've, I've had friends growing up in ministry who are like, well, I'm really more of a, just fly by the seat of my pants. I write a few things on a napkin. And most people who, and I've had people say, well, you know, I'm pretty good at winging it. Can mm-hmm. I just tell you most people that have told me that and I haven't told them this. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I've told Rusty that, let me just tell you, you're not as good at that as you think you are. 
it's me, obvious to at least most people that you are just not prepared and and it's you're we we need to be prepared and by the way there are seasons where I've gotten up in the pulpit or on a Wednesday night or Sunday night ill-prepared because of things that have happened. And God will bless you when you have been doing what you can. And God speaks through donkeys so he can speak through you even in moments of weakness. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. But we need to be diligent to prepare and to uh, write ourselves clear, whether you do manuscript, outline, whatever, but to have a solid plan going in People have accused me when I talk about that. Well, you know, the Bible says, Jesus said, don't worry about what you'll say. He'll give you the words. No. said, yeah, that's if you're before a court being, you know, judged for your Christianity. That doesn't, that's not about getting in the pulpit before the people of God. Acts 6 says, find somebody else to wait tables. Get on your knees before God and get in the word so that you can show yourself as a workman approved before God and the people of the church. If you think about this idea of winging it in other arenas too, Look at, look at a guy like Steph Curry, who he improvises on the basketball court every night. Or I think about, I'm a big John Mayer fan who might be one of the greatest guitar players. I've seen him a couple of times live. He's just incredible. And he plays an improvised solo in every song, every night. These guys are winging it, but they it looks like they're winging it, but they're winging it because they have put in hours and decades of preparation beforehand. If, if I walked up to a guy and said, hey, here's a guitar, play me something cool, just wing it. He can't do it. Similarly, the pastors who get on stage and look the most comfortable and look like they're winging it, they're the most prepared. They have years and years of study and experience and practice. So they make it look easier than it is, but it's because they put in the prep and the work. And so, yeah, God forbid we ever just jump on stage, flip open the Bible, throw a dart and go, Holy Spirit, carry me through. Like if that's your regular weekly preparation, shame on you, yeah. stop doing that. Well, I, I, we've joked about Francis Chan a lot and I'm not gonna do the impression right now, but uh, Francis Chan, you know, if you've ever listened to his podcast, it is a little weird because he'll get up there and be like, I, I just don't even know what I'm supposed to preach right now. You know, I'm just, y'all pray with me. I'm trying to decide. And you'll be like, what is this guy doing? But I heard him say one time, either in an interview or maybe in one of those messages where people, he said, you know, people will be like, well, I, I just want to do like Francis does. And he said, listen, I've been teaching the Bible verse by verse for 20 plus years. Right. So, so it's different from me than a, than a 30 year old getting up and doing that. Um, so there's some truth to be had there. So write yourself clear. It really think and prepare and do the hard work of preaching and teaching. But also this last thing I think is often neglected. Pray yourself hot. Think yourself empty. Read yourself full. Write yourself clear and then pray yourself hot. Can I just confess to you, I think prayer is the biggest weakness in my preaching ministry right now. I spend more time preparing and working on my message instead of praying and seeking God after I've done that work right. and asking him to do what only he can do with it. I was reading an article recently about one of John Piper's famous sermons. I'm, you might've seen the video and the, the talk. It was about a passion talk that John Piper gave back in the early 2000s. And the author of the article that was writing kind of about that day and about that sermon used a phrase that stuck with me, but he talked about how Piper in that moment just had the right combination of light and heat. And by that, he meant that in that moment, he had the, just the right balance of information and inspiration, that he had the knowledge in his head 
and the passion from his heart, which I think is what Jesus was talking about when he said that he's looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth, that there needs to be intellect and emotion involved. We have to have information and passion. And so we can study and read and have all the, the commentaries in our head and all the information in our head but yeah, we got to pray for the Holy Spirit to do something emotionally so that we can not just stand up there and give a lecture about the text, but preach with some conviction because eternities and lives and marriages and families and futures and all of these things hang in the balance. And if we're not, if we have the information and present a lecture, but haven't prayed for the Spirit to move emotionally, then it can come across academic and dry and boring. And God is none of those things. We could just talk about this forever, man. We are. We are really, we're killing it on this conversation, by the way. Well, preaching is what we both love to do. We we love working in churches and we love ministry, but I think there's no doubt that for people who are called to preach, we work in churches and we work as pastors, but preaching is the best thing we get to do. Yeah, no doubt. Preaching is what I'm called to do, what I love to do. So before we shift gears and talk about teaching for just a couple minutes, we're almost at the end of this episode. I hope it's been as beneficial to you as it has to me. This is another one of those coffee cup conversations that would have been great at Rayo's, but I'm glad you guys are getting to listen in with us. I think sometimes if we're not careful, preachers end up preaching to an audience that they don't actually have. And podcasting and all of that has made this possible, but I think you end up preaching to other pastors and maybe if you're younger like we are, preaching to those you maybe were in school with or in seminary with, and you're preaching sermons that, to be honest, can sometimes be above the heads of your congregation and only one or two people in your realm of influence are actually benefiting and gleaning from what you're preaching and talking about. So I think there's something to be said for simply preaching the word in a simple and clear way that, to be honest, will not impress your peers. Right. Uh, your peers are not gonna be like, man, that was the most insightful thing I've ever heard. He's such a powerful preacher yet your people that you're actually preaching to will greatly benefit from the simple truth of God's word. Not to say there's never a time to get deeper and to kind of introduce some interesting kind of deeper things to chew on and think about, but that if we would simply give the simple truths of God's word, it would be very beneficial for our congregations. If you think about preaching like feeding your flock, think about the way you cook meals at your house. You've got two young girls. I've got three young kids. Some nights we do, you know, we'll, we'll make a homemade lasagna. Some nights we'll do grilled cheeses or cereal. Uh, but our kids get fed every night. It's not always an impressive meal. It's not always homemade. Sometimes it's from a box. Sometimes it's takeout. But there's consistency. And there's, you know, we, we home cook a couple nights a week. My, my point is we don't have to try and knock it out of the park every single week, academically, informationally. We don't need to seek to be over-the-top impressive every time we stand up. More than that, we need to be faithful and consistent in our teaching of the truth. It's, it's a pretty common idiom that people need to be reminded more than they need to be taught. So we don't need to stand up on the stage every week and go, oh, hold on to your hats and watch what I came up with. But just open the word, read it out loud, explain it, and then help people figure out what to do with it. And if you do that over the course of time, over years and decades even, that consistency is going to be better for the flock than, than standing up there every week or, or even getting in your office every week and going, okay, how am I going to wow them this week? Like the wow factor doesn't come from us. It comes from opening God's word and showing them 
hey, this is true and beautiful and good and useful. Now go put it to work. I was just thinking as you're talking about that and we're talking about, you know, we're not trying to impress people and wow people. My greatest fear is you walking in on a Sunday morning and coming to my church, my friends and my peers, my fellow pastors. And there's a fear that comes into me. That's like, man, I hope this is good enough. I hope they're wowed by this. I hope they're impressed by this. But I was just sitting here thinking, when was the last time that somebody who looked very unchurched showed up at my church and I had a sense of concern over making sure they were impressed with the truth of the gospel? That we as ministry leaders very quickly can be so consumed with impressing those who are already saved. Do we think that passionately and do we get antsy and really start praying and asking the Lord for help when we see someone come in who may not even know Jesus. It just made me think, because I know, just again, being a pastor, that our, our worst nightmare is preaching in front of other pastors. What if we were that serious and that, that concerned? Of course, I'm, I'm talking from a unique perspective. Our director of missions, Brother Jimmy, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, is a member here at my church. I'm used to it now. He doesn't get any special uh, thinking in my headspace when I'm presenting, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. And I've told him this, the first month he was here, it'd be a Wednesday night or Sunday night. And I'd kind of be doing my normal thing. And then I'd be like, oh my goodness, brother Jimmy's going to be here. You know, there's going to be another preacher in the room and it would change the way I prepare. What if that fear of man, uh, which is really sinful, but what if that uh, desire came into our hearts and our minds thinking, there very well could be somebody sitting there who needs Jesus. Right. How would that change your sermon prep? So sorry, that's just a personal thought. I thought I'd share that the Lord brought to my attention. We took that a little bit different direction than we planned to, but beneficial for me. Yeah, definitely for me as well. A lot to think about. So we'll, we'll circle back around on another episode and talk more about the preparation, the difference in preaching and teaching and our preparation, because I do want to talk at some point in the future about the, the mindset preparing for a Sunday morning sermon versus uh, a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or a Sunday school class. Because I, I do try to keep it more conversational and open-ended in those. And so we'll talk about that on a later episode. But I yeah. think I think we discovered we both like preaching. Yeah, I, I think we should maybe, hey, maybe and we you, should do this with our lives. And you're, you're good at it. Hey, you too, sir. Hey, thanks. I'm glad you think so, because I'd like for you to grab your Bible and go to John 4, if you would, Rusty, because... I've got four points in a poem for you. Hey, everybody. Listen, it's been a great episode. Check us out at Hour A Week Pod on Twitter. Check me out at Bro Rusty Mott. I'm at Jared Hollier. Special shout out as always to our audio producer, Pat Overstreet at Is This Pato? Is This Pato? Check it out. Thank you, Pat, for all of your help and making a sound even more smooth and amazing than we already are. What'd you say last week? Like a... Tub of butter. Smooth. I think I said smooth as butter I didn't or take what was the other a, thing? I didn't, I didn't take it as a compliment when you said we are like a tub of butter. We're like a tub of butter, y'all. Yeah, my grandma told me that at Thanksgiving. Hey, join the conversation. How do you prepare to preach? What does your prep look like? We'll have something up on the Facebook page. Just, I mean, hey, it'll say show more or show less. Write a paragraph. Write a book of a comment telling us how you prepare. Uh, what do you think we're missing? We're, we're humble enough to receive that. Uh, what what is the most important thing to, to you? Maybe what are some resources that are, are great for you? So we'd like to hear from you. This is a conversation. We don't want to just be talking with microphones to each other. So join in. I've got nothing to add. I agree with everything you just said. Mm. I second everything Rusty said. And we're glad to have you as listeners. And Rusty, I'm glad to have you as a friend. You're not just a colleague in ministry. I consider you a friend. I'm still praying about it. <laughs> 
Wait, 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 wait. One last thing. Drop the mic. Is that how you do it? Drop the mic. Uh, just you. Drop, drop the mic. I'm Rusty Bob. I'm at Bro Rusty Bob. Hey guys, uh, what is that? Is that me? Is that my voice? Hey I'm guys, Rusty I'm Rusty Bob. Uh, hey, have you ever worked at the feed store? I have. Drop the mic. Rusty Bob. Spoke feed. Texas dives. Case dives. Pocket dives. I'm Rusty Bob. Drop the mic. This podcast is over. <laughs>